We are Centrepoint Church. This is a recent recording from our Sunday morning gathering. We hope you can join us at the Odeon Cinema in Guildford, Sundays at 10am. Enjoy the message. Hello, hello, good morning. Welcome to Centrepoint Church. Um, do uh, grab your seats. My name's Chris and I have the great privilege of uh, being able to be part of the leadership team here and, and leading that team. And uh, it's always good to, to get together on a Sunday. Yesterday we had a really great day celebrating Sam and Emma's wedding. Um, Sam leads our student work and um, it, was really, it was really good to just be with them and um, celebrate all that God's doing in their life together. Um, This morning we're going to be preaching from Joshua chapter 1 and so do start to turn to it now Um, and we also have some Bibles, uh, some church Bibles so the team, if you just pop your hand in the air, the team will come and bring you a Bible to you in your seat Um, just keep it up until they arrive to you and it might be that the reason why your hand is up is because you just don't own a Bible or a recent translation and if that is the case then you can keep this one as a free gift from us, it will bless you and do you good. Um, so just keep hold of that. Um, yeah, that's good. And so we, about four or five months ago, I felt prophetically that it was right to go through this book of Joshua to um, look at how these people that had been in the wilderness for 40 years, it's really an established nation and they kind of got, have gotten used to living where they are, but they need to be reminded that Abraham... Um, long, long before them, had promises spoken over him about going into a promised land. And so it, it was easy for this kind of group of people to kind of just sort of settle in the wilderness, settle for something of second best. But Joshua had to remind them, no, come on, there is a promised land waiting for us. God has spoken promises over us that we need to walk into. And um, Joshua is an amazing historical book of just real great stories that you would have heard about like the Jericho walls coming down and and all sorts of stuff and so it's a really it's just a fascinating book to go through from an historical perspective but it's also a prophetic book Um, it would have been known as along with kind of Joshua Judges and Ruth it would have been known as the prophets um, before kind of not in our time we kind of see it as historical books but originally it would have been known as prophets and it would have been someone preaching this story through to the people of God and so it's really good for us now in this day to read it because as they would have preached through it people would have been listening to the story and then implying it to their lives and have done over thousands of years since it's been written and so as we read through it I feel it's right for us as a church to be looking at what is what is God saying to us now in our day and for all the promises that God has over our lives how do we how can we be people that step into those to walk into all the promises of God that he has for us and for me um, something that really has given me confidence about why it's important for us as a as a church to go through this book is that just last week I haven't even shared this with the team yet actually just last week I received an email from a guy that I've never met who goes to a church that I've never been to and he was um, speaking to one of his leaders so he's not a leader in that church he's just a person in a church that's over in Basingstoke and he was speaking to his leader and said look I think there's a church in Guildford called Centrepoint that I've been praying for and I believe God is speaking to me about them. And so the leader said, well, why don't you write it down and I'll, I'll find a contact and get it to them. And they did. And the first, I, I, over the week, these weeks, I think I'm going to share more and more about his prophet. It's about three pages long. 
But the first line was, I believe God is speaking to me through the first six chapters of Joshua. And I wanted to say this, and then he just goes on. And almost everything that he speaks into, I believe God is speaking to us about and has been speaking to us about um, and as we press forward. Things that we have already know about and we've started making moves on and started making initiatives into and some things that we don't know yet. And it's good for us uh, to process that and figure out what that is. And so uh, the vision night will be a great night on 9th of October, that Wednesday evening, to come along and to hear more about that. And we'll try to drip feed some of those into the series. So I just want to encourage you, as we go through this series, have your hearts open. If you miss a Sunday, get it on the download. Like, listen back, hear what God is saying to us as a church uh, and be ready for that, okay? So, Joshua, um, so that I don't spend ages telling you the story so far, I've got a quick video which is going to recap, I guess, the story of the Bible from the beginning up to Joshua. It's just a couple of minutes. And it's probably, like, rated 15. So, if you're under 15... I don't think anyone is. That's okay. And if you're a little bit squirmish, then there are some bits, so you might want to just listen to the story and shut your eyes. But generally, it's okay. Here we go. That's not worked. I'll click back and see if it does it. Just give me a second. Previously on the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Adam and Eve disobeyed God and ate the forbidden fruit. Since then, since Cain killed Abel, God has seen too much evil in human hearts. God warned me. He told me to build a boat. He is cleansing the earth for a new beginning. Abraham, God has spoken to me. Leave your home and go to the land I will give to you. I will make you a father of many nations, with descendants as numerous as the stars. God wants a sacrifice. Have I not shown you enough faith, Abraham? A sacrifice? My boy, my boy. Moses. I am the God of Abraham. I have seen the misery of my people. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring them out of Egypt. Why are you here, Moses? Let my people go. All my life, I have been Pharaoh's. I will never be a slave again. Joshua, God is with us. Egyptians, they're here. God has delivered us from slavery. Joshua, we have new laws preparing us for the promised land. Abraham's dream, our future. You are our people's future, Joshua. You must take the land promised to Abraham and all of his descendants. As numerous as the stars... So that's um, a clip taken from the Bible series. You can see it on Netflix, 10 episodes, um, doing the Bible. I think it's one of the best 
cinematic depictions of the Bible I've ever seen. Obviously, it takes poetic license in some places, but uh, there you go. So, um, that's kind of the kind of biblical narrative so far up until this point. And so, we're going to read from Joshua chapter 1, and verse 1 says this. I've called the talk the first step. It says this, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses' aide, Moses, my servant is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to to all the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Let's just pause there. Um, Throughout this morning's talk, we're going to talk a bit and then... Pause, talk a bit, pause, talk a bit, pause. And so, right at the start of God speaking to Joshua, um, it's bad news. Moses is dead, he's died. I mean, Joshua knows this because he's been around. And that's what happens. And this key verse in verse 3 says, I will give you the, the, every place where you set your foot, just as I promised Moses. And I think that this is a remarkable thing because... They're standing on the brink of going into this promised land, which is a vast, vast countryside. And inside the promised land, there's all these different nations who have built up um, cities and fortresses, and it's going to be really hard work. And God doesn't say, hey, uh, Joshua, I'm going to clear the land, wipe it all out, give you the key so you can walk in free. No, no, he doesn't say that. He says, you need to take the first step. And when you take a step, I will be with you in that step and I'll give you that piece of land. And when you take another step, I'll be with you in that step and I'll give you a bit of land. What this says to me is that God doesn't just, in our lives, just unlock doors and open, like just open ways and kind of just clear all the decks and line up all your ducks in a row so that you can then walk, oh, thank you, Lord, and walk into all of it. No, often we are called to take a first step first. It's actually, God has kind of spoken that into creation. And Jesus speaks about it regularly. In order to reap from the harvest, you first have to sow. Not knowing what's going to happen. You sow first, and then you're able to reap. In order to get the harvest, you plant. You plant first. You take the first step. You put it in the ground, and then you reap. Do you know, often in the same way as we go about our lives, um, before our friends might come to know God, we often need to say something first. Hey, I'm a Christian. I went to church on Sunday. This is what God did in my life. We often have to take the first step and then God then starts to unlock. And and this is exactly what happens to Joshua. But the amazing thing is, is that not only will God give you every step, but he says, and I will be with you. God will go with you. As you take a step of faith, he doesn't just stand back and think, Oh, let me see how this works out then. How are they going to fare? No, he's, and I'm going to be with you. And I'm going to walk. And every time you take a step, I'm with you. And I'm taking those steps with you. And really, he is the God over everything. He's a sovereign God. And he, he goes before and behind and to the sides. And he's everywhere. But he is just encouraging Joshua, hey, just as you go, as you and the people go, we, I'm, I'm stepping with you. I'm going with you. And do you know what I think is also really interesting about these first few verses is that we write, find out that this is a really inconvenient time. This isn't good timing. 
Like Moses just died. Moses is unbelievably amazing. He has done so much. He's seen God do so many miracles from seeing the people being let go from Pharaoh, from crossing through this miraculous water uh, and into the, uh, into like the wilderness, through uh, doing all sorts of things like seeing a magical manna come from heaven and feeding the Israelites. And in the last bit of Deuteronomy, I don't know where I've done my Bible, in the last bit of Deuteronomy, it basically says all of that. It kind of says how um, amazing Moses is. It's like the last words um, of Deuteronomy. They say this. In Deuteronomy chapter 34, it says this. No prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, who did all the signs and wonders the Lord sent to him in Uh, to do in Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his officials and to his whole land. For no one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. And then you turn over into Joshua chapter 1. And then you've got Joshua, this aide, this assistant, this guy who's insignificant, who must be looking at this, this vast nation of at least two million people and God saying to him, hey, I know you had Moses, this like unbelievably amazing guy, But now, Mr. Assistant, I want you to now lead the people. He's like, Moses was like a mentor to Joseph. And Moses is dead. This is an inconvenient time. And do you know what? It's kind of never the right time to do stuff. There's always stuff that gets in the way. I know when me and Catherine left Chichester to come to move to Guildford, we, we had settled. Our, our kids were in schools. Our, our jobs were going well. Catherine was doing excellent in, in her charity that she was leading and it was breaking new ground and stepping forward. And, and this is like, God, if, why are you calling us that? This is so inconvenient. I, I, we just got ourselves settled. We just finally sort of seemed to be established. And, um, and now, oh no, it's time to go. But the amazing thing is that very last word, hey, I promised this to Moses and to Abraham and these are promises that God has made and he he will go with us and he will keep going uh, for us and through us and with us so I want to ask you where have you been waiting for God to clear the decks where have you been sitting back and thinking well Lord I'm just going to wait until I see a few more you know a bit bit more clear space bit of clear land what circumstances are your excuse for holding back maybe it's your kids Maybe it's their schooling. Maybe it's your relationship status. Maybe it's your education status. Maybe it's your income. Maybe it's your age, whether that you feel like it's too young or you feel like it's too old. Maybe, like Moses, you perhaps are a bit... No, sorry, like Joshua, you're a bit insecure because you're like, wow, they've just been an amazing leader leading. How can I do this? I think the only thing that video didn't help us with is that um, Joshua was with Moses... um, and before they went into the wilderness. And so Joshua would have been at least about 30 or 40 as they entered into the wilderness. And then they were in the wilderness for 40 years. So most theologians believe that Joshua is between somewhere between 80 and 83 where God speaks to him here at the beginning of chapter 1. He's in his late, he's not a young man. He's in his late, he's in early 80s getting ready to lead this people. And he's standing there thinking, what, who am I? What am I going to do? Maybe his excuse could have been age. It could have been lack of knowledge. It could have been all sorts of things. But you need to know this. I don't know what your excuse is, but you need to know this. God goes with you. And as you take those steps of faith, he is with you and encouraging you and inspiring you. And do you know what? Throughout this book, this book predominantly, Joshua, is not a message actually to individuals, though there will be individual application all the way along it. It is mostly a book to the corporate people of God. 
And so God is calling us to reveal Jesus' name to Guildford. He is calling us to great steps of faith as a church. He is calling us to step up and step out and to go into all the different things that he wants us to. And I want to encourage you that walking in the promises of God, which is like the kind of title of our series, is going to take steps of faith and they're often going to be needing us to take a step of faith first before it's kind of obvious what it's going to look like. And that's not going to be easy. And I want to encourage you um, to, to come. And those worship nights are so important. It's like the first thing that we're going to do is we're going to get together and we're going to pray into all these things that God is calling us to as a church. Because the reality is if he's not going, then we don't want to go. And we want to stand with him and walk, walk with him and we want to uh, hear from him. And so it carries on. Verse 4. Your territory will extend from the desert to, to Lebanon um, and from the great river, the Euphrates, uh, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. So be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land that I swore to their ancestors to give them. You know, God's plan for your life and this church, sorry, God's plan for your life in this church is so much more vast than, and big than, bigger than what you can perceive or imagine. This land was just enormous. It was massive. And for these Israelites, they're going, they, they must have felt like, wow, how are we possibly going to do this? You know, well, God's plans for his church and for the people of God are just always bigger than what we can dream or imagine or think about. And sometimes it might seem insurmountable. And uh, for when Moses first came out of Egypt, and he, what he did was that they, they went over the, the, the Red Sea and they, they looked in the land. And Moses sent 12 spies to spy out the land to see, okay, well, what, what are we going to do first? How are we going to do this? This is, this is before they went into the wilderness for 40 years. And 12 people went out into the land. And what they saw was these massive fortresses and these kingdoms and these powerhouses. And they called them like giants, these people. They're like, oh, we, you know, we look like crickets to these guys. Like, we're never going to be able to do that. And 10 of these guys, 10 of the 12 came back and they were like, Moses, we can't do it. Like we, we, we just, this is going to be too hard. It's impossible. We can't, we can't do that. Two guys came back and said, hey, Moses, this is going to be really hard. This is going to be impossible. But God is with us and he has called us to this place. And just as he promised that Abraham, we need to trust that he's calling us into this now. They didn't listen to those two guys. But do you know who those two guys were? Caleb and Joshua. Yeah, the same Joshua here. And so right from an early... I guess earlier on when Joshua was in his sort of 30s, 40s, he believed that um, although, whatever it might look like on the outside, he believed that if God has promised it, then he will see it through. And that whatever it looks like, therefore we should step into that and, and go for it. And um, Moses and his A's, they decided to back away. Actually, they, they went with the 10 and they, they backed away. And then they wandered around the wilderness for 40 years because of that decision. And now it comes, and, and God, he's even said that, it says in sort of Deuteronomy and Numbers, that God was waiting, he's waiting for that whole generation to pass out because they didn't have faith. And then when Moses dies, that's kind of like the end of that generation passing. And it's like, right, Joshua, the one who had faith, the one who believed that God would be true to his promises, he's now saying, hey, I'm with you, let's go. We're going to go for it and we're going to do it. And do you know what? The land hadn't changed. As Joshua is standing there, ready to now go and encourage the Israelites, we're going to go for this again, the land hadn't changed. All the giants were still in the land. 
all the fortresses were still built. In fact, they had got stronger and bigger. And this was enemy-occupied territory. Do you know, often when God calls us to step into things, to step out into faith, we are walking in enemy-occupied territory. He doesn't want you to step across your office floor to chat to your colleague about Jesus. He doesn't want you to invite your neighbours around your house. He doesn't want you to be bold and courageous and to to do the things he's calling you. He doesn't want to take up leadership positions or serving roles. He He doesn't want the church to grow and expand. But, you know, God is calling us into Guildford and into this nation. And it is enemy occupied and therefore there will be opposition. And we'll hear about some of the opposition that the Israelites face over the coming weeks. But nonetheless, God's encouraged us to go. He encourages to trust him. So where has God called you to go? What are the things that maybe God has been speaking to you about and saying, look, what, you could take on a life group or you could, you could start serving in that area. You, you could leave where you are now and go to that place where I called you to start a church plant. Where has God been calling you to go where you've been thinking the, the giants are just too big? The things in, in that are, are holding me back, are stopping me. As a church, when we step into the places that God has called us to, when we start doing fun days, quiz nights, Christmas outreach, alphas, freedom in Christ, all these things, all the giants are still there. All all the things that might stand up against, that might hold us back from doing... Things like, I don't know, um, postmodernism. Really? Are you really doing that? Like, why, why Why do you believe in Jesus? Like, Why do you believe in God and the Bible? Things like um, materialism. Like, oh, do you really want to give up an evening? Like, you, could, you, you need to rest because you've got work tomorrow and you need to be ready for work. And so don't, don't give up an evening. Just sit at home and watch TV. Watch the Bible on Netflix, I don't know. Just, you know, it's, it's all, like materialism can hold you back. Or, or, or in other, lots of other ways. And these giants, they're, they're all there. They're all out there. And, yeah, I want to encourage us as a church. No, we need to step in. We need to be strong and courageous. I, you know, I'm not surprised that these words, be strong and courageous, have come up again and again. And these aren't new words for Joshua because he's heard them throughout um, Deuteronomy as well from Moses encouraging him to be strong and courageous. Um, but Jesus is calling us to do the same. Let's carry on. What does being strong and courageous look like then? Verse 7 says this, Be strong and very courageous. How do we do that? It says, Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate it on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. To be strong and courageous. What does it mean for us to be strong and courageous? It means to know God. For for Moses, it meant to trust God. And God was going to do all the big stuff. All he had to do was hold up a stick. We we learned that at West Point, um, if you came along. And for Joshua, it means trusting him, listening to what God is doing and saying, okay, God, this looks scary, this looks big, this looks out of my comfort zone, but I'm going to trust you anyway, I'm going to do what you call me to do. How did Joshua know that God was calling him? Well, he heard from him. Again, in that last book, the last chapter of Deuteronomy, chapter 34, verse 9, um, how did he know the call of God? It says Moses laid hands on him. So his, his leader encouraged him. That's how he heard the call of God in his life. 
Do you know, we have a big thing in our culture of thinking about, oh, well, I've got to hear written in the skies that God is calling me to do something. You know, sometimes your leader, one of your leaders, your life group leader, your, your youth leader, your student leader, coming up to you, hey, can you come and help me on this? Come in, come and join me on this. Why don't you take on that responsibility? That is one way why, where, in which you can hear from God. You can hear from God in other ways. Um, I was sharing with someone the, the other day about um, the five CSs. Um, so com- the commanding scripture. One way you can re- hear from God is you're reading through the Bible. You hear from God speaking to you. You're reading a passage. He's like, yeah, I know. I know that God is speaking to me through this. Commanding scripture. Another one is compelling spirit. Sometimes you're in a meeting like this and that thing that you've kind of been pitting off and the preacher starts talking about something and God's pointing his finger on that thing again. Oh, yeah, that's the Spirit talking to you again in your heart. And the Spirit just reminds you, you remember, I did did talk to you about that, remember? I want to encourage you to do that. And the Spirit is saying to you, the counsel of the saints. You might have friends and family around you, people that love God and know God, and saying, yeah, you can do this, why don't you go? You might have common sense. Yeah, I, I know this looks scary and it's big, but actually, we, we could do this. We could, we could step into what God's calling us to. There's a bit of common sense. And then sometimes there's also circumstantial signs. Um, so random things happen and you think, oh, God, that's, that's, that's weird. It's a coincidence. And, sometimes, and it's a circumstantial sign of just God just pointing him to encourage you on that way. I remember, again, when me and Catherine came to Guildford, all those things, we felt God had speaking to us in all those different areas. And we just knew, okay, this doesn't make sense. And, you know, all those kind of insecurities come out. Who, who am I? What can I possibly do? And yet, no, God is going to be with us. God is calling us, and so we're going to come. And I believe that God is doing exactly the same in our church. And so I just want to encourage you, what is God calling you into? How can you get to know God better? This is what the whole of this chapter is about. Obeying God, learning to know him, always having his praise on your lips, meditating on him day and night, keeping all this that he's written down in your heart. And and as you do that, he's encouraging you, don't be afraid, don't be discouraged, but be strong and courageous and step into what what he's calling you. So how can you know God better? Well, one way of knowing God better is getting along to a life group, sitting around with other Christians, learning about faith and what's going on. Another one is cafe theology. This is something we're going to do once every half a term. And uh, on the, in October, it's on a Sunday evening, I think the 27th or 26th of October, um, we're going to have one. And on that evening, um, we're going to look at the whole Bible story, all 66 books, and we're going to do a timeline. And it's like a seminar evening. So there'll be about 50 minutes of talking, presenting how the books all fit together in a timeline. And you'll have one of those to take away with you. And you'll see just the meta-narrative of God's Bible story together and understand how it all fits together. And there'll be chance for Q&A. In December, on December the 1st, we're going to do another one. And Stuart, who was talking about Freedom in Christ earlier and leads our pastoral team, he's also the CEO of like True Freedom Trust, which is a charity in the UK and he's going to come and share to us how as a church and as the people of God do we engage with the LGBTQI plus um, sort of society and how, how yeah how how can we step in and walk into that community and, and encourage them accept them and, and release them into our church and see people come and, and be part of us and so I'm so excited about these cafe theology evenings it's ways for us to get to know God better and these are some things you can do. You can do, like, you can do Alpha, you can do Freedom in Christ, all these different things. And so these verses so far that we've heard are, are God speaking to Joshua, encouraging him. This is, this is hard, this is big, but I'm going to be with you wherever you go. And then verse 10 carries on. 
Joshua now speaking to the people. He ordered the officers to the people. He says, go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here and and you're going to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. Um, Did you know that Joshua was actually not born Joshua? He was born Hosea. And that name means salvation. But in Numbers chapter 13, Moses, he names him Joshua, which means the Lord saves. And the Hebrew way of writing the way the name Joshua is Hehoshua. And it is the exact same Hebrew name that the angel commanded Mary and Joseph to name their son. And when you translate that name, Hehoshua, to Greek, we get Jesus, or Jesus, and then Jesus when you translate it to English. So I don't think that when we read this prophetic book, that it's a coincidence that on the third day, the people of God are going to cross from the wilderness, from the darkness, into the promised land, into the light. I don't think that's a coincidence. The life of Joshua is meant to be a prophetic promise that a better conqueror will come after him and lead God's people into all the promises that God has got for them. And he says, you will be my people and I will be your God and I'll go with you wherever you go. And do you know what? All these promises, they come up again in Matthew 28 when Jesus talks to his disciples and he says, go, just like God saying to Joshua, go. And he says, and teach everyone to obey all the commands I've, I've promised you. And Joshua's saying, hey, we're going to do this. How are we going to do this? We need to obey all the things that God has promised us. And then Jesus says, and surely I will be with you until the end of the age. And God says to Joshua, and surely I'm going to be with you. And do you know what's prophetic? It's, hey, someone else is coming that's going to do even greater things than me. And Joshua sees that. Isn't that amazing? And that's why we're going through this book. And so then Joshua, he's getting everyone ready. And then he speaks to um, the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, the, there's 12 tribes of Israel, and the 12 tribes of Israel are going to go into the Promised Land. As they approach the Promised Land, this is 40 years before, these two and a half tribes, these Gadites, Reubenites, and half-tribe of Manasseh, they look at the land, and they see this bit just outside of the land on one side of the River Jordan. And they say to Moses, hey, Moses... We quite like this bit of land here. Is it all right if when the time comes, we'll come and we'll take the land with you, we'll go in, we'll give you all our best fighting men, but once we've conquered the land, that you let us kind of reside here, in this strip here. It looks all nice and green and lovely. And they they make a promise of Moses, and Moses says, yes, you can. And so now Joshua is going to remind them, and so in verse 12, he says this, To the Reubenites, the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said this, Remember the command that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you after he said, The Lord your God will give you rest by giving you this land. Your wives, your children, your livestock may stay in the land that Moses gave you east of the Jordan, so that's the other side, but all your fighting men ready for battle must cross over ahead of your fellow Israelites and you are to help them until the Lord gives them rest as he has done for you. And until they too have taken possession of the land that your Lord God is giving them. And after that, you may then go back and occupy your own land, which Moses, a servant of the Lord your God, gave you east of the Jordan towards the sunrise. And so Joshua is just reminding the people. And you know what? In this, Joshua is reminding them what they, they said, because he knows that to walk in the promised land, it's going to take everyone. We're all in this together. 
It's, it takes everyone. This is a corporate message. All of us are going to, if we're going to walk into the land, if we're going to see God do amazing things, it's not about individuals doing their little bit. It's about the whole community of God coming together. And that's why Ben's word that he brought earlier was just unbelievable. Because he's like saying, hey, it's easy sometimes to think church has scattered coals all over the place. But when we're brought together as one, we're on fire, burning for God. And we can do so much more and there's so much heat can come out of it. So much more can be done when we're together as one. And so when you cross over your office floor and you speak to that person, do you know what? You're not going alone. Centrepoint Church is going. And when you cross over your street and you invite someone around your house, you're not going alone. Centrepoint Church is going. And when you cross over and you get on a plane and you go into the Middle East, you know you're not going alone. Centrepoint Church is going. And do you know what? We are doing that this year. We are sending a couple from this church. And we're going to tell you more about that on the Vision Focus evening on the 9th of October. And I want you to come along. Because as, they, as that couple come and tell us about how the God has called them to go in to the Middle East and to be part of a church planning team, I want you to hear that that is Centrepoint Church going. That's all of us. We're all going. And that's going to take steps of faith. It's going to take financial steps of faith. It's going to take prayer steps of faith. It's going to take all sorts of steps of faith. But that's what God has called us to do in this season. And so we're going to trust them. We're going to go for it. And do you know what? The response that these guys, these Gadites, the Reubenites, the response they gave to Joseph is this. Verse 16, it says this. Whatever you have commanded, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses... Sorry. <laughs> so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your word and does not obey it, whatever you have commanded them will put them to death. Only. And this is amazing as well because God has said to, Mo- to Joshua, be strong and courageous. And now these guys are saying, only want to encourage you, be strong and courageous. He's getting it from both ends. The people are saying, come on, Joshua, be strong and courageous. And, and, are we? and God is saying that as well. And this is a wonderful picture of the church. And how we are called to come together, to walk into all the things that God's called us to. And, we're, you know, we won't all physically go every single place. But we know that spiritually we're, we're praying for each other, we're with each other. And that, again, it's another reason why it's important for you to get along to life groups. As you share what's going on, oh, I've got this situation at work. I'm hoping to talk to this person. Can you pray for me? And people, encu- you encourage one another. You get alongside one another. And, and so I want to encourage you to be doing that. And do you know what? You don't over this season you don't have to sign up to a life group because another thing you could do is sign up to the Alpha course or you could sign up to Freedom of Christ you could sign up to all three but I suggest you don't because you're just going to be out Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday or Thursday every week and you need to have a life um, but you could just pick one I'm not expecting anyone to do all three or two I'm, expecting, I'm encouraging you to do one I want to encourage you to either do a life group or do Freedom of Christ so it might be you take a break from life group for a while and do Freedom of Christ instead that's, that's good that's, that's a good thing to do or, oh no, oh, you've never been in a life group before, why don't you commit to going to a, a life group for a season as you share and we walk into all these promises together? So, in summary, God gave the Israelites a promise. And in order for them to fulfil that, they needed to step into it. They needed to take their first step. And God says, hey, but I will be with you. And do you know what? God has called us and he's given us promises and he's called us to step into these promises. We've got all sorts of promises, prophetic words given to us as a church. 
One of them I think that's really key is one about gold, um, silver and copper. And it was given about six years ago by Guy Miller. And the copper, he says, hey, this is students. You're going to have students and young people in 20s coming to your church all the time. And you're called to encourage them, give them opportunities and send them out and go into the world. And do you know what? We see ourselves doing that and do you know we can do it even greater. And then the silver, he says, but you, it's not just about the young people. There's also the more mature generation. And you're called to look after them and, and nourish them. And do you know, I'm really excited that we've got some people in our church, they're talking to me about how can we do things that are during the day to help the, the older generation, any generation, but also the older generation. And we're looking at starting some things up over this term to, to really help to just give input and encouragement to, to those who perhaps evening things is bit more difficult and so we can put things on the day time for them and then the third thing is gold and what the prophecy was about was about how as a church we are going to be a resource center we God is going to bless us financially and God is going to bless us with people and resources and we're called to use them and to go and to send and do you know what that I think all these things means that we need to take that step first it means we're going to we, we give we sow and then and we'll see it reaping do you know this year as a church we have given more away than on any previous year. And as a church, we've received more. I don't see that as a coincidence. And we continue to give to the local charities and to give to church planting and give away to things that are helping the hurting and helping those in need. And we're going to continue to do that. We're going to continue to give to those who are in hardship and to bless people because that is what God has called us to, prophetically, has called us to be that type of church. And so that's what we've got to be like. And we're going to give people and we're going to send our best and we're going to continue to do that because that's what God's calling us to be. And it takes steps of faith. And so I want to encourage you to be praying for us as a people, to be thinking, what is my part to play in all this? What is, you know, think about your own circumstances. What steps of faith do you need to take? Either with your finances or with your time or whatever it might be. I want to encourage you to be thinking about that, remembering that it's never convenient that we take the first step, that the land is enemy-occupied, but God is with you, he loves you, and he knows you. Let's get the band back up, shall we? Let's stand together as well. Let's pray. We can't do this by ourselves, can we? And we need God's Holy Spirit to be with us. Just in however way you feel comfortable, why don't you just start to reach your arms out to Jesus? Or reach your heart out to him and, you know... Just start to invite him in your, in your heart. Why don't you just start to say quietly to yourself, God, I love you. Give me courage. Give me boldness. Lord, speak to me about what is my part to play. Thank you, Lord God, that you have... You died for the church... That's what you died for. That's what Ephesians 5 says. Thank you, Lord God, that's what we're a part of. Thank you, Lord God, that our identity is wrapped up in the bride of Christ, this, this wonderful community of people that you, you died for and that you live for. And I thank you, Lord God, that you have called all of us to be a body of believers, to step into all that you've called us to. And I pray, Lord God, that as we walk through these weeks and months, as we learn about your, the promises that you've 
given over us as we start to step into all the promises that you've called us to. I pray, Lord God, that you'd give us faith. Would you give us courage? Would you give us boldness? Lord God, help us not to be lackadaisical. Help us not to think, well, no, I'll just be an ember on my own over there. Help us, Lord God, to be one with each other, united, together, stepping into all that you've called us to. And so I just pray, Holy Spirit, would just come and fill us now as we come and worship you and give our lives to you again. I pray, Holy Spirit, would you move through, equip us, refresh us, encourage us, Lord God, to walk in the promises that you've called us to. Thanks for listening. Please do come and visit us Sundays, 10am at the Odeon Cinema in Guildford. We look forward to seeing you.